Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you all very much for coming this evening. This is the fifth of a six-part series of conversations that uh, we've been doing here at Block 336. My name is Russell Martin. I'm the director of ArtQuest and also an artist. Um, also here is my colleague Nick, who's at the back. If you are drinking from the bar, all the proceeds for the bar go to support the gallery programme, so you can drink alcohol ethically <laughs> in, uh, in this gallery. So this, se this series of talks, System Failure, starts from the premise that the art world is created by human beings and is therefore imperfect, but we can probably do something about that. Uh, so it's to try to look at different themes within the art world, see what we are able to change as artists and people who work in the art world, uh, and to look at it systemically and to see the bits that can be improved and how we might go about improving them. Um, it's, it's sort of inspired from the idea that we all sit in the pub and put the world to rights, and this way we thought we could all put the world to rights, not quite in the pub, and maybe do also do something about it through our programme and through other uh, things that, that ArtQuest do and that, that some of you will be doing as well. Um, so because we're looking at, through the series, we're looking at the whole art world system, there'll obviously be a lot of crossovers between this talk uh, on education and lots of the other talks that we've been having as well, and that's fine because the, the themes that go across it are also quite useful to, um, to focus on. Uh, the, these are in-conversation events, so I'll start with a quick introduction once I stop talking, and then we'll hear from Soraya and from Doug. Um, and the, this talk, like I said, is focused on education. Uh, and there's a few different reasons why we wanted to talk about education, to have one around specifically higher education. Um, mostly because art school is still kind of the, the predominant way that people become artists. But at the same time, no one has to go to art school in order to be an artist. So right in, at its root, there's a kind of ambivalence about what art schools are for, how many people who come out of art school actually go on to be artists. Uh, I, there's conversations around whether art schools provide an art education or an education through art, which we might come on to uh, further on. Uh, added to that, obviously, recently, are the, is the new fees that uh, art schools are charging it, often having to charge because their block grants have been cut to basically zero, so they have to make uh, get incomes from elsewhere. And that's also been tied to agendas around employability and careers and professionalisation. Uh, so we're specifically looking around professional development in art schools, professional development being the bits in art schools that, that try to teach artists the more business side of being artists how to get exhibitions and how to um, you know, get meet curators and network and that kind of thing. Uh, ArtQuest, that's quite a lot of what we do at ArtQuest. Uh, we are a programme of University of the Arts London, which is one of the biggest art schools in the country, but we're also a national portfolio organisation of the Arts Council and work. Uh, most of our work is externally facing, so we've kind of got a foot in both camps in this. So, yeah, so we want to keep it, try and keep it fairly focused on this idea of professional development and what the purpose of that is around art schools. Uh, and essentially through this talk, we want to explore what the place of art school education is and the place of professional development in it, uh, where, what's, uh, what artists need in order to fit them for a professional life, and to reinforce the idea that the art world is something that we are also a part of 
It's not just something that happens to us, but we can uh, take some control of that as well. The talks are being audio recorded. All the previous talks are available on our website as well. And if I could ask you all to make your mobile phones not make noises, that would be good. If you do want to join in the conversation on Twitter, if any of you are into Twitter, we're using the the hashtag AQSystemFailure. And uh, without further ado, I'll hand over to Soraya Rodriguez to, to kick us off. Okay, so, um, so essentially, currently, I um, run a diploma in professional studies at Central St. Martins, um, which kind of puts me very much on the front line of professional development because it's a course specifically geared towards that. Um, as far as I know, it's pretty much the only um, course of its type um, in that it's an optional year out that BA fine arts students can take between years two and three. So students leave stage two and go off for a year, come back, having done lots of largely wonderful things. Um, the, what they're encouraged to do is research and undertake placements, um, and they are encouraged to also look for placements that either develop that sort of inform their professional and personal development, but also their artistic practice. Um, Now, whilst they're not expected to make art during the year, they are expected to continue with their artistic research and certainly um, think about the concerns and issues that underpin their practice. Um, And this often leads to um, informing which placements they choose. Um, What I like about this course is that whilst I'm there to offer a lot of advice and guidance, I'm certainly not there to kind of make that year for them. It's a very self-directed year. They require to be very self-driven within it. Um, they, my role is more to um, equip them with the tools with which to get what they want for themselves. Um, what I find as a consequence of this is that um, when they go out into the world, they very much use the world as a kind of material resource. Um, it's not that they kind of go out and think, well, if I go to a gallery and I put this on my CV, it's not as simple as that. They're really kind of using the world as a tool to investigate and inform their own curiosities, which is something I really like um, about the attitude of the course. Um, as a consequence, when they come back to stage three, um, they often come back really refreshed, you know, um, even though they work really hard, generally. Um, So they come back refreshed, they're keen to get back in the studio, they often come back with a much stronger appreciation of what the course offers in terms of its kind of real situation within life, what's out there and what's within the institution. Um, They also come back with a clearer idea of how to manage their own time, how to work with each other collaboratively, they also come back with a lot of skills and so on. Um, But overall, mostly, they come back, hopefully, with more confidence and a very keen understanding of their own value and their own worth. And generally, this means that they're actually looking forward to leaving college rather than kind of being deathly scared of it. Um, So, And also, when they leave, they already have a much stronger CV. So personally, I think that this type of course is very good when it's embedded within a three-year course, but as an added year that is totally devoted to that type of self-driven activity. Um, Students who don't opt for the course um, do get a lot of professional 
PD sort of out, sort of workshops and so on throughout the year, which are very embedded in the different unit structures. So they might get sort of different practitioners coming in to give insider views on how they've done what they've done. Um, they do exhibition making together. They collaborate on things. They learn about publishing. They learn how to write artist statements. You know, so professional development workshops that kind of not only teach them about the context of art um, in a broader world, but also gives them very basic tools that they can then utilize in order to work within that context. Now, whilst I think that's really, really great, I do think that above and beyond that, um, the emphasis of the college should be to instill, rather than just equipping them with these skills and these tools, is to instill a kind of confidence in students um, to be active agents in their own destiny. Um, and I think that when a college can empower, stu empower students with the belief that they can change what's out there, that whilst a market system and a cultural system is in place, that they are not necessarily boxed in by that. And, that and also that, you know, ticking the boxes of those sy that, that system or that there's a kind of formula solution to working within that system because that's just not the case. I think ultimately, if you're a creative, it's because you want to fashion the world and make the world. And I think ultimately, um, instilling students with confidence and criticality with which to apprehend that world is by far the kind of bigger paradigm that college owes students. So I think that's my position. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Here, Thank here. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're just going to agree with each other, then that's yeah, not going to make for a very good, you know, <laughs> for a very good conversation. No, I told you, Russell, I think I applied for the job that you got. Okay. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're better off just listening to Sarai. <laughs> she got the job. Um, anyway, no, yeah. but thank you. We'll hear from, thank you very much, Sarai. And now over to Doug. Doug no, I think um, a lot of, uh, you know, I'm very much in keeping with a lot of what Sarai said. Uh, I'm a, a working artist and... Um, I do a great deal of lecturing, a lot often as a visiting lecturer, but also I've put together a number of programs privately that uh, touch upon many of the things that Soraya's course teaches. Because I think, personally, that um, the one thing I try to instill in my students is that, which you mentioned, confidence. I mean, I, I speak a bit, a bit more American, I say, uh, in teaching people how to hustle. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just gave an artist talk today, actually, at Middlesex, where I used to teach a little bit. And, I've come up with a new artist talk, which is basically looking at projects that I've done, but uh, revealing the backstory. What are the strategies that I took in order to get this project on the wall? Because I don't think that's an area that is actually looked at in a lot of conventional artist talks, and it seemed to be uh, a useful approach. But um, there was one thing I, I just want to start out by um, relating a cartoon that I saw in The New Yorker, which I love. It's uh, of three people on a horse, on horses rather two big barbarian types and one little man with the tweed jacket and the pipe and it said it says two barbarians and a professor of barbarian studies yeah. <laughs> I love that sorry if you don't have a, uh, a PowerPoint I'd show it to you otherwise and you know I think there that in there is a great deal of the the issue of art how do you teach it how, how who knows everybody forms their own path and I think that's uh, that's why projects like what Surai is doing uh, sound really vital and in fact, I put together um, a seminar which I offer four times a year in my own studio to students who are recently graduated, which um, touches on all these issues of professional development. I also teach the subject at Westminster where I, I help students get kind of a grounding in the professional art world. But I do these seminars because in all the visiting lecturing that I've done, which is all over the country, uh, I'm very proactive in that regard. 
I really got a sense that people felt they weren't having these issues addressed. And people felt a sense of dread in approaching the, their birth into the real world uh, that, that they didn't like. And I thought, well, you know, I as an, a working artist figured a lot of this stuff out for myself. And I thought, well, if I can condense that experience in a useful way, maybe that would be a beneficial thing. And I also uh, put together something that's now in its fourth year, which I'm very proud of. It's, it's um, a program called the Masterclass that's held at the Zabludovich Collection, a private collection here in London. Uh, and my idea was it came out of this, these short-term seminars I did, which last a weekend. I wanted to put together something that was a, basically a studio development program, something really, really intense that might be something transformative for people who are recently graduated. So the idea is it's a week-long seminar where we get visiting artists from, uh, to come in and work with students, all kinds of different sessions about the nuts and bolts of being an artist. The collection manager talks about the legalities of contracts and all kinds of things. I'm very excited. I seem to have gotten Joseph Kosuth as one of my visiting lecturers this year. So I'm very excited. We're doing it for the fourth time this year. It entails artist talks and all kinds of things. And it's actually one of the reasons I've been very keen to develop it is that I think it might ultimately form the basis of an alternate academy, something that would be based on the notion of spending all the money you can on getting visiting people and paying them an honest wage. Because I think that's a way to, it doesn't have to be necessarily artists, you can bring in anyone as, as a guest lecturer. Because I, I, I really find this um, issue of the cost of an art education a real sticking point. I come from the United States where studying is wildly more expensive than it is here, but we know that, that's always been the kind of premise. And here, with this recent uh, explosion of fees, I think it's, it's riddled with danger. You know, who's going to be able to afford being an artist? And if in 10 years' time the costs are anything like they are in the States, you know, I think if you go to get an MFA at Columbia or something in New York, you wind up, you know, leaving probably with a quarter of a million dollars in debt, which is not probably the greatest way to invest a quarter of a million dollars if you're looking to <laughs> make your money back. You know, um, so I, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, programs that offer a more broad uh, sense of um, possibility, like Soraya's, or in my limited way, I mean, I'm doing it in, in a much less structural way in that I'm kind of outside of the academy. I think these are vital, and I think they're good. And in, in terms of the Zabludovich course that I do, I wanted to do something that at the end of it, we don't ask anything. We get the students who come from a network of, uh, are nominated from a network of artist-led spaces around the country, and these rotate. And they come and we provide the program completely free to the students. Now there is a, obviously the issue that we have a private collection that subsidizes that. So to do this as an alternative academy would not be something sustainable on a large scale. It's a week long. How would you make it a year long? Could you do that? Yes, if you had a building. That's the one thing you need to keep, the, you know, keep a building going. So uh, I'm very excited about that because I think it's something that allows people pause to focus on the, uh, the important stuff, the making of art, but giving uh, a strong grounding in the other issues that might not um, be offered. I, I'm, I think your program sounds terrific. I, can, can I, I just say as well, you? it only costs 1,800 quid. Aye. It's not worth nine grand, which okay. I think is kind of... Yeah, how, do you, how do you value. absorb that nine grand? I yeah. don't know. I mean, again, coming from an American perspective, it's... It's obviously it's all relative because nine grand to study in America would be fairly on the low end, to be very honest with you. But it is what it is, and uh, 
But I think, um, you know, obviously you can't come up with a perfect solution to teaching art because every artist's path is different. And, you know, I think one of the things I found is that a lot of what I've benefited from in the teaching that I'm, I've had took time to unfold. So I don't know if you can actually translate. It's not like, okay, this is how you conduct the surgical procedure. You know, you're learning things that might lead to the creation of a very unique thing over time. And I don't know how you calibrate those to make those the most effective way. I personally wouldn't want to have a short course which focused too much on things that were kind of ancillary. Uh, I think maybe you should have longer courses. You know, if I did a one-year MA program when I was at Goldsmiths, and if much of that time had been dedicated to, you know, making, you know, learning career skills and things that are in a parallel track, I think uh, my ability to find my own artistic voice would have been compromised. So I'm not really sure what's the, what's the answer. I think just more uh, projects of this nature. And I, I really think if schools were a little bit more straight up about the actual terrible <laughs> risks you take when you gamble on an art career, that's useful. You just have to know what the landscape is that you're entering it. You know, the likelihood of succeeding commercially is low, but if you know that, then that's not an issue. Uh, I think, you know, we have to be careful to determine what we think is success as an artist and then move backwards. How do we define what are the ways to generate that kind of success uh, to the best of our abilities? It's obviously, you know, um, Otherwise, we all have to survive like I do, which is, I like this expression, I have a portfolio career. <laughs> Sounds a lot better than scrambling to make the rent, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, but portfolio career, yeah. Um, but yeah, how do we define success? I think managing expectations is a very important part of this whole development because I teach a lot of BA students and, you know, I have first you know, people in BA expecting to be represented by galleries. Okay, you know. Good luck. <laughs> and I think that kind of outsized expectation is a problem starting out. And I think more clarity about the, the actual landscape that we're entering, you know, that it isn't working according to the same metrics as other trainings and occupations. You, know? you don't learn a set of skills that the same person learns. It's not like learning a medical procedure. How do I make my own work? That's what I want to learn. And you know, I think to... Uh, to instill the confidence and the proactive approach is the one main thing that I strive for as a lecturer. That's the one thing. Go out and make opportunities for yourself because the phone doesn't just magically ring. And I think a lot of people assume that it will. And if it rings for them, it's good on them. So yeah, just that, being as absolutely uh, proactive as possible and understanding that you have to go out and hustle, for lack of a better term. You know, that's, that's my approach. And um, I think if that can be brought into the institution in a more uh, effective way, it can only benefit. Without tipping it into thinking, you know, like spending more time worrying about getting a job in a related field, then, you know, then why study art, in, in a sense? But uh, yeah, so I think um, we are largely on the same kind of a page in terms of making people learn that they have to just hustle. I like that about my, I do that every day in my own art making career. It's just, I'm, it's a challenge and I enjoy it and I try to impart that. I Great, think as well, you. like the D DPS students, when they go out, another thing I like about the courses, and this is back to sort of using the world as a material resource, they don't 
just go into the art world. You know, they don't just limit themselves to art as their context. Mm. They will often go and work in fashion photography studios and get really banging photographic skills that they yeah. can't learn anywhere else, you know. Or a lot of them go and work in documentary um, commissioning organisations um, or production companies. A lot of them work in theatre, a lot of them um, end up in design. In fact, most of them kind of do a mixture of art and non-art subjects. Mm -hmm. And I think this idea that you have to kind of... And I promote that very much, sure, you sure. know, so that they leave art in order to come back to it, you mm -hmm. know, and reinform art. And again, kind of expand, therefore, the field of what art might be, not just be guided into thinking that there's a limit to what art is that sure. they have to be contained by. And yeah, um, the fact that they come back to it after your course, I think, yeah. is... I mean, some of them matters. also come back thinking, great, I'm going to get a year in the studio, but then I'm going to go and be a banging colorist for that film company, and I've already got their contact, you know. Yeah. And they're really happy about that. Like, they kind of come back relaxed about being an artist or not being an artist because they realize that the world is much more, um, you know, a prism of oysters, you know, <laughs> that they can kind of make their own, you know. And I think um, sometimes when the onus is just on art as studio practice, sometimes that kind of open-ended prism just gets lost a bit, you sure. know. Especially um, given the, um, well, you know, I, I know you from, from the old days, <laughs> back when even like before Freeze, Art Fair and all that. It's, it's almost, it's amazing to me, it's like trying to think when there was no internet, and when there yeah. were none of these art fairs in London. And I think, mm. you know, the, the commercial mechanism, you, you can speak with much greater authority about this, seems seems to be uh, very intimidating to a lot of people. It artists. is, yeah. And it means that there aren't that many seats at the table if your metric for success is the sale of work through a commercial framework. No, and in fact, and, um, like what ends up happening is that, you know, you have a pyramid of kind of um, artists that can support their practice through sales. And mm -hmm. at the top of the pyramid, there's like, you know, just maybe three. And underneath mm -hmm. that, there's 30,000 artists who mm -hmm. aren't making sales but those three because they're on the top of that pyramid they rely on that pyramid being in existence sure. so that that world can exist you know so that collectors can have a kind of relative sense of value in comparison mm -hmm. but um but my husband the other day was talking to a gallerist who who's really great um and she was saying she was talking about this and she was saying you know this onus on getting gallery representation is actually really restrictive sure. and often for the very practice of people and she says so you get like these three people who do make sales and then they end up having studios with 30 people um, making the work and stuff and largely they're just repeating their ideas sure, and yeah. by, by virtue of that they become less interesting so mm -hmm. it's kind of where's the value gone they might be making the money but are they making interesting work sure. or is cutting as difficult like are they in a zone of not that you need to be in a zone of difficultness to make good art but where's the challenge there yeah. you know sometimes well, that's I, gone I, th I think there is something about this idea of what an artist is I mean yeah. it came it came up in a previous talk that maybe the word isn't that useful anymore because mm -hmm. it does s cover over a lot of the individual skills and tasks and, and job descriptions that you might have as an artist. Okay. And, and by being a professional artist, mm. by doing professional development to be a professional artist, is it in some ways even more restrictive, exactly as you've said about mm. commercial representation or that what, what success is and for sure. a lot of artists. I think, I think a lot of artists, particularly students, probably don't even really think about it. I certainly didn't think mm. about it particularly when I was at art school. But there is this tension between being at art school, what, what I've found being a, in ArtQuest for 15 years is that there's a real tension in art schools for it being a protected 
period of time where you can just hone your skills and hone your thinking and be an artist in the kind of studio practice sense of it. But now, particularly more with fees, mm. uh, that, that the art school in some way owes the student something to equip them for what the world will be like so sure. that they can earn some money. But I also wonder when, when it became uh, a reasonable expectation that you'd make a good living as an artist. I think that's a fairly modern conceit. <laughs> I think absolutely, yes. And I remember I read a book uh, about uh, Ellsworth Kelly recently, and he, he was talking, or one of the guys from his generation, like Jasper Johns or Rauschenberg, that you, back in the day, you went to art school, then you moved to New York, which is to say you didn't even study in New York, and then you lived in some squalid basement for 10 years, and if you got lucky, Leo Castelli would put you in a group show. And this was all right. Because that you know, was the same in the 1990s here before yeah, the exactly. YBAs blew that apart. And I think it? in the era that we've, uh, we've been in our careers, it, it's, you know, this explosion of the global art fair system and the notion of the celebrity artist that, you know, it's, it's not even the same in the U.S. where I'm from. But here there must be at least four or five artists that the punter would recognize on the street where mm. nobody in the States would recognize any visual artist, maybe Jeff Koons <coughs> in New York. Yeah. But it's but also around the marketization of education yeah. as well. But, I mean, I think, I think that's where a lot of it's come from mm -hmm. in terms of charging fees and in terms of what... what kind of preparatory. And yeah, and, and, what we're, and that, it's, that being an artist is somehow is kind of a vocational thing mm -hmm. and it's something that's been professionalized so there is an expectation that you should somehow be able to earn money out of being an artist, mm -hmm. whereas I think most artists probably earn money out of having another job or yep. doing something else on the side. But that's never really, in professional development in art schools traditionally, that's never really what the focus has been. Mm -hmm. No, people kind of avoid that topic, yeah. you know. And um, certainly I remember when I was doing my MA in sculpture at the Royal College, like, I mean, even back then there was, you know, nothing by way of professional mm -hmm. development, you know. So I think many, the art institution has in many ways, you know, done well in sort of furthering some of that, sure, you know, sure. and uh, making acknowledgements about these things. Um, but yeah, back then there wasn't any of that. And, and actually more so, there was a kind of, um, you know, don't go and talk to a gallerist, they're dirty people, or they're really, they're going to eat you alive. Or, you know, there was a kind of um, an instillment of fear, not kind of um, yeah. education and knowledge, and therefore, you know, a sense of you being empowered through that, you know. And I think a lot of that has changed, partly because the institution has, but also because even in the past 15 years, like, the, the art world in London has radically changed. Sure, like, sure. it's become much more formalised, much more professionalised, the internet has, like, you know, I often say to students, you know, when I started out, you did have to go to the pub to meet people. Now you can sit at home and research them on the internet and then <laughs> go and meet them in their office because you know who they are, you yeah. know. So there's no excuse for being unresearched now. But certainly as a consequence of that, whilst that's improved, it's also meant that the, because the... the you know, the, the art world has become a creative industry more, that it is now also... It's a lot more competitive, you yeah. know, so you really kind of have to um, be knowledgeable about your value, your worth as a creative thinker, and the transferability of what creative thinking can do for other industries that you might want to get involved with as well. And I think in terms of managing expectations, um, it's a hard thing to know how to do, obviously. It's <laughs> one of life's great psychic uh, challenges, I suppose. But... You know, I find I see people who seem very easily demoralized because they don't, I think, have, you know, ideally somewhere between uh, making a million quid overnight and 
the Ellsworth Kelly and there's maybe a happy medium. I don't know that would be more sustainable. But I think mm. a lot of people don't think of it as a long-term thing that might take you 15 years, or more. 20 years to even like feel like, oh, actually, and now I sort of get a sense that I know what I'm doing. And you know, what other industries are there where you overnight make it? You know, yeah, it, it and also it goes up, but then it goes down. You know, sure. like artists are successful for a while, but then they have to reinvent sure, again, sure. and you've got to go back to the beginning, and it's it's treacherous on all levels like that. You know, you yeah. really have to have kind of staying power and um, stealth. Um, and I, yeah, and I think just confidence, some kind of inner resources, because I do really feel that with some of the BA students that I meet, they are prejudiced to think that if they don't get a gallery representation off the degree show. Then the whole thing's been a waste, or it's and it's just like okay. But know. we could be the institution could therefore be instilling in them that they may not gallery representation, but if a bunch of them get together, they can set up a project space. Absolutely, you know, and that that's the way to go about and it. That's something lasting. That's what the YBAs did. They kind of you know stuck two fingers up at um, you know this Cork Street and just went east to the land where yeah. rats are, are as big as cats and kind of you know just took over spaces and they were their own makers of the work, their own curators of the work, they became their own gallerists, their own critics, and also their own audience, you know, and it was a completely artist-driven collaborative movement that made that and completely radically changed the shape of, of the history of the London scene, you know, and I think that is often really forgotten when people see Damien Hurst at this stage, mm -hmm. you know, but you've got to remember him at that one, you know, and I think... Um, and I, you know, so instilling them with that kind of alternativism yeah. and that kind of, if people aren't calling, just do it for yourself yeah, if yeah. you want to do it that much. Well, you I, know. I have, I have one more question, and then I'm going to uh, invite other people to join in. So if anyone has burning questions, your your time is nearly on us. Um, which, and my question is, is being an artist a lifestyle choice? <laughs> We've been talking about these alternative. There's alternative ways so. of doing it. These kind of I like, mean, well, you, I mean, who goes to art school to get a job, basically? Is, well, yeah. You know. I mean, I so, so therefore, if, but there are other advantages to it. There's this confident self-efficacy thing you sure, get sure. to kind of set your own agenda, but you don't. I think it very is a lifestyle choice because one thing I talk about with students is like, look, you know, I'm trying to figure out the way to wake, to make the world let me do what I want. That yeah. takes some finagling, you know, <laughs> yeah, and uh, exactly. I'm willing to eat a little bit of crap to make that happen. So <laughs> if the lifestyle choice is, uh, tends towards precarity rather than not, I think it's worth it because I, I have my own sovereignty. But, you know, I, I, I remember seeing John Baldessari talk once and he discussed that idea, what is an artist? Because it's really one of those absolutely, and I'm really... Uh, artist, but I, I, I'm a full-time dishwasher, but I mean, <laughs> like, how, how do you determine what you are? And he said, in his estimation, it was people who will spend whatever it takes to get their work done. It doesn't matter whether you sell it, yeah. this or that. But yeah, I think um, it is a lifestyle choice, and I think, um, but I think one that, if you get a grounding in this type of um, attitude that we're mm. discussing, that, you know, my next project that I'd like to do, I want to do a sketch comedy-based thing. If that means I wind up as a TV comedian, <laughs> God knows. But it's just the idea of taking an idea where it needs to take you. Mm -hmm. Follow it and, you know, push where you need to push to get it realized. And I think that's probably, yeah. I mean, it's funny, when we were just talking before about talking to artists, it made me think it, it sounds like talking to children about sex. 
They have to have, we have to have the talk about what's it like to be an artist. Like, what do you have to know? Uh, it's, it's, it's very funny. But yeah, I would say, I would say, and I think it's a good lifestyle choice, but I think it's a long-term lifestyle choice that uh, the service is done to by the kind of uh, easy, rapid return type of mentality that plagues most of our economy. Because I don't think it plays by those rules. And I think if people think that it does, they're going to be readily demoralized. And I hate to see that when I see BA students who just think, oh, well, I didn't sell anything at the degree show. Well, and the art school is kind of where, <laughs> where that outside bit of the doing at the lifestyle choice end of things meets the, the real world that you have to finagle your way around in this very large institution which has quality assurance and has assessment and has funding attached to it and has all of, there's this huge kind of weight around an art school now. Accreditation. Yeah. Accreditation, all of this kind of stuff. Mm. But on the other hand, we're, what we're trying to do in art school is train these people to have this very kind of light approach mm. to life, to about where they, where they might make some money, have been kind of quite easygoing about that, having this confidence. So it's a really very difficult territory to, to I, have. I think what Doug was saying about this idea about being an artist or even just any kind of artistic pra practitioner, be you a curator or a critic or any of the above, like the luxury of being able to do what you want when you want, being able to think your own thoughts and follow your own instinct, that's the luxury that you buy into yeah. and that can't be bought with money. Yeah. It, it takes something else and I think often p things get reduced to, to money and finance and I just then I think then we're living within a prescribed world and I think the two plus two equals five theory is totally where it's at and certainly mm -hmm. you know for me the luxury if there is a lifestyle choice is to be able <laughs> to do that but also to be part of a community of people who also do that so that you end up having really brilliant conversations your life is enriched in a different fashion you might yeah. not be you know, wearing the world's nicest bikini in the Bahamas, but do you need to? You yeah. know, it's sort of, you know, so um, I think the luxury is... It's about motivation, really. It's what motivates yeah. people to become artists. And I think when, you know, it, if it becomes about that, I, it seems like a strange thing if you just want to turn an art practice into a, a lucrative small factory. Okay, you know, it's not really something that... Or maybe I'd like the money, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but also, I think, you know, if there's a notion that there's a checklist this is the way to be an artist, that seems rather sad to me because, you know, you can't checklist through professional practice and this is what you have to do and then you'll have a career. It's, there are so many variables. Not unless you externalise your worth and, and become beholden to somebody else's idea of success, which I think is very dangerous territory. Yeah. And, you know, when you see people, I mean, the classic thing is people thinking that they want to make work that looks like uh, work that's done well. It's like it says in mutual fund things, past performance is no indication of <laughs> future results or whatever. And it is something that, that, is we've, that we've heard anecdotally, at ArtQuest we've heard anecdotally that artists will do some professional development at art school and think that, that, think that they are being taught the way to be an artist. Mm -hmm. And it takes kind of three or four years after graduation to be like, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, even this work that I've been making all this time, I don't actually want to make wanna this work. You go to art school and you go to galleries and you think, oh, well, this is what art looks like. Yeah. This is the stuff that's in the galleries. This is the stuff that's successful because it's being exhibited mm. or sold or whatever. Um, anyway, at this stage, I'd like to invite anyone else to, to join in. Certainly, yes. Uh, any questions or comments or... Yes, at the back. Yeah, so, uh, Soraya. Soraya. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in to hear about your course and, and how people go out in the world. So
So this is part of a this is a course. It's part of a BA Fine Art course, and it's a diploma. It's an, they can opt in to a sandwich year where um, they do a diploma in professional studies for a whole year between years two and three of their BA Fine Art. So they end up having, and, and the, that diploma year costs 1,800 quid as opposed to the nine grand, mm. but they get half of the benefits that they would normally as a student. So mm. it's kind of, it's easier. Also during that year, they're allowed to finance themselves, work, save, you know, they're in charge of how they go about structuring that year so that they can do what they want to do. Sorry, you know? so I, if they don't maintain studios though, right? No, 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 no. And I don't... Or at least um, at the school, they might... No, they don't. Um, some of them do use the year to kind of um, go and get, and certainly a lot of people involved in performance, go and try their performance out in different contexts to see where that takes them, <coughs> you know? So some of them have more of a practice-led hmm. professional development year. But um, the majority don't. The only thing they're expected to do is continue their artistic research. So develop a very solid bibliography that completely contains, you know, a, that contains just exhibitions, artists, things that underpin their practice. That I'm definitely very hardcore about because I don't want them to completely lose and sight. And you need one-on-one tutorials? Yeah, and then we have one-on-one tutorials, several workshops, um, and I send them weekly newsletters on good stuff that's happening in the city, you know, so... Uh, Various things. And generally at the beginning, um, certainly in the first term, often they're kind of like, oh, I haven't heard back from anyone. But very soon they find their legs and they're kind of... And by the end of it, they practically don't even want to get in touch with me. They're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I got it. I'm doing this really brilliant thing. I'm in New York, you know, bye. You know, and you feel like this parent that your parent... Yeah, that your child no longer needs, you know, and you're sort of... But that's good when it arrives like that, sure. you know. So, but sorry, continue. So, so is, is this an uncommon way of doing things? I mean, is this the only course of its kind? Yes, as far as this I know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there are different modules that different MAs offer as part of an MA where they might do three months stint. But often, what happens within those is that the university will be um, very um, active in placing a student in uh, a placement, and I find that a bit icky because I think it's actually it's it's a a stronger thing when the student goes out, finds it and gets it because then they get a confidence that otherwise I could take away from them by just giving it to them, mm -hmm. you know. So I think sort of that, that you know, I don't by any means want to say I just let them get on with it. It's not like that either. But I also don't in any way kind of pacify sure. them or their agency because that to me is the rule of the game. You know? Yeah, that's the same on my uh, thing at Westminster. I always try to um, instill that. Yeah. And I teach them my email cracking system. Which yeah. Is how to find people's emails. We don't want you to yeah. write Because that's just, get out and, you know, if you have some reason to get in touch with these people, do it. Well, this idea of agency, I suppose, is also at the crux of a lot of this, that mm. art school, as, as an educational institution, often at the moment a very large educational institution, has a, often a, a kind of teaching role. Yeah. But what professional development tries to do is to, cr is to build independence and agency and self-efficacy and confidence. So again, it's a very difficult territory to kind of tread, really. Yeah, and I think the, the how you contain that, you know, that's why having a year to do it is really good. Sure. You know, I think it becomes less difficult once you give it time. Yeah. Uh, as is often the case, you know, you can have a problem and then you just add time to the equation and ta-da, mm -hmm. you know, it works. It's a lot easier. Things come sure. fall into place. It organically. It's like a great template for something that I hope is rolled out more widely. 
Mm. We have another question at the back. Um, so on the back of it, do you assess them? Yes, um, I also through the year encourage them to keep a DPS diary, um, to build a bibliography and we constantly refer to these during the tutorial and then at the end of the year they write a three and a half thousand to four thousand report, DPS report and that's then assessed and marked and, and they have to kind of present that with images, you know, and kind of really evaluate um, the learning, where the learning has occurred, you know, the value of, you know, compare different placements and, and sort of work out which ones meant more, which ones, sometimes somebody can do a six month placement but then realise that they did a week in this place and that was really what, what changed them, you know, and again it's therefore about value, not, not about numbers and so yes, yeah, so they're expected to really evaluate and reflect on, on, on where they've come to, you know, and they do you know, I remember a few of them. There was one lovely girl who, at the beginning of the year when I first met her for her tutorial, was like crouched over like yeah. this and really, oh, nobody's got back to me and I don't know what I'm doing. We just sat down and methodically went through like how to put together a table of research, how to approach people, you know, just a few basic things, how to do milestones so that she can give herself targets, you know, how to structure herself, you know. Um, and then the next time I saw her, she'd started working with this theatre group, designing their their sort of, the, the whole stage design, you know, and she went from being a very shy person who could barely look at you to really telling people what to do all the time. <laughs> and she suddenly blossomed into this really bossy, brilliant person, and she was really happy doing it, you know. She was still very mild-mannered, but she discovered that she actually had, she liked being in charge, you know, and, and so seeing that kind of development is really, really nice, you know. Um, very rewarding, you know. I think. Yes, over here. This is more of a sort of question, quickly. And it's, um, um, I, I work at the University of the Arts, and I'm an artist who still hasn't got a value up to the date of 30 years. <laughs> um, I wish I'd have a course like yours, Sarah, when I was a student. Um, I had the same experience at the Royal College. But um, anyway, I did a pilot sort of study a few years back, and it really was about the question you brought up earlier was about whether there was a value for art education, maybe outside of the arts. Um, and I went to a lecture and someone called James Wisdom sort of did a, said a really provocative question where he, he asked me what course I taught on and I said it'll be a drawing and um, he said well your students haven't got hope you know they, they might forget there's no vocation they haven't got and it was about vocational um, works of, of the degrees and it, he was talking about government funding and how actually in the end Courses like the drawing would get cut because of no obvious professional worth and no sponsorship would want to sponsor the course, etc. So I decided to do a sort of pilot study and actually try and contact people um, who diversify completely from the arts. So they've studied art um, and have gone off and done, so they've gone beyond the portfolio careers because they've actually got to the point where they didn't consider themselves artists anymore. Right. Um, and interviewed someone from the 70s, the 80s, and 90s. Yeah, sort of like did sort of quite a few decades of. To just get that difference done. Um, and I found it really interesting because um, all of them, in reflection, um, found things of value. And you both talked about confidence. Um, and I went to another um, seminar a few weeks ago at LCC, which was about the future of creative industries. And again, it has very little alumni, and all of them talked about confidence. Um, and there was something about um, an inherent thing, an implicit tacit learning that comes through studying the arts that seemed really important for all the routes that these people went down. One of them became a social worker, um, one of them became worked on the railways, done more history, 
a whole range of different things. Somebody else ended up working in the city um, as a banker. Um, and it was just really, you know, on reflection and through a conversation um, with me, when we unpicked it, um, they all said that what they went to art school was completely invaluable. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know whether, and I'm partly using it because I'm giving a, a short presentation um, where it could be time to actually discuss whether we can bring any of those tacit, implicit learning things and make it more explicit for the students. And is there a worth in that? Because actually, at art school, most students probably don't want to have a conversation about the fact they might not mm-hmm. you know, be an artist. You know, do, do, can we broach that? Mm-hmm. Is it possible to broach that? Yeah. ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがと
Um, um, I suppose I'm scrambling for, for how then I might take the conversation back to Croydon to think about what might be implemented in terms of what we owe the students on a professional side because yeah, there are some that have come through the Croydon system and they've succeeded you know, in however one might define that. But to be thinking in broader terms about what an art education gives to a variety of professions does create a problem for how then that education might address a professional context because you're producing for the world in a generous way rather than having some clear criteria that you might <coughs> frame for the students. I, I just think it's... Um, it's such an unusual thing, the, the practice of art, that to try to create the training as a, you know, uh, oh, I'm being a bit inarticulate, I beg your pardon. It just, it's, it's so hard to pin down that I think if you make the education a preparatory thing as such for a more professional track, it becomes very difficult because of all the, you know, the individuality that is in it. I, I don't know, I, I just wonder if you know, addressing those issues uh, more clearly while recognizing that this is a program that we're doing to some degree, studying art for its own sake, without saying, okay, this is going to prepare you for careers in that, because I think you're right. I mean, maybe if, if the idea becomes too focused on that, then you're probably better off on choosing a course that has a more uh, direct outcome in a given career track. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think if people are just more open about the value of studying art, while not necessarily trying to make this pursuit of studio art too, too metric, uh, mm. tick boxy, mm. that's a good way forward. And I think, I honestly think from what Soraya has said, that programs like this are fabulous. I mean, I wish something like that would have been available to me. It just seems like such a logical thing that my, my type of offerings is very, uh, is very different because I'm just kind of more outside of the convention, the, the system in that regard, and I'm just doing small-scale things that address things in a kind of, um, um, not informal, I don't think, but you know, just much less in-depth because I have a weekend with students rather than a year, and it sounds like your thing is just fabulous, and if it's done outside of the actual BA, or within but outside, yeah. it's not deflecting the actual focus on the, the BA. and that's the beauty of it. Yes, I exactly. really, I'm, I'm scared of thinking about art as, you know, like part of the dialogue of regeneration or all these things. It's, it is this thing. It doesn't need to lead to successful careers, you know, that's... I mean, I suppose it's a wider uh, argument around vocational teaching in general. Like, yes, there are courses to become a plumber or an electrician or a lawyer, but there's also kind of philosophy or mm -hmm. art or subjects which are important because of the critical capacity that it gives you mm -hmm. and a way of engaging with the world rather than because it's going to give you a, take you to a particular job. Mm -hmm. And even if, it, even if the courses that do take you to a particular job, there's no, nothing to say that you're going to do that job in the mm -hmm. end. There's a huge number of people who go from the visual arts into gaming and technology. Um, My BA is in music. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So classical guitar. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so there's a wider, but I think. And, in my experience, in my opinion, over the last ten or fifteen years, education has become much more of a track for something that uh, 
that it, it's you start in education and you are trained you're trained rather than educated and I think that's the, the distinction and the, and the problem really with a lot of this and I guess with the advent of these large fees it's it's becomes a uh, kind of a trap what? <laughs> I'm going to send everyone your way. Because really, that's to me that, that once these costs become so substantial, then you know other things apply. And it's sad to me as a as an American who's been here 11, 12 years. I've seen you know uh, the, this growth of fees is really disheartening. Because um, you know there are certain things I love about Britain, like the NHS. I love it as an American. But you know things that don't work according to the same kind of starvation economics as we have in the States that allow for a space for something good to be. Mm. And I hope that's not lost as fees will no doubt continue to not creep, but exponentially yeah. explode upwards. That's just the way it is when you let that genie out of the bottle. There's uh, another comment at the back there, yes. Um, I think it's two different skill sets. I think making money as an artist and being an exceptional artist are two different oh, yeah. skill sets. And, and it, nothing winds me up more than someone who's, who's sustainable as an artist when I, when I think I know better artists um, who are less sustainable. And it's, I think as a sector, we're really, really generous. And I think if we can understand weaknesses, we can probably find the generosity to support them in other places because we're so under-resourced as it is. Um, but I think, I think in terms of that bridge between between it sort of being something that you can live off of, I think funding is a huge thing, and I don't think I learned anything in my education about funding. And I think it's problematic because of the pace of change, especially at the moment. Um, and. I think that we're all being encouraged in a certain way now as with individuals, and I think that there's a whole unknown capacity in the art world about how you approach an individual and ask for thousands of pounds. That's what we're told to do now, but no one's taught how to do that. I'm currently going through that learning curve. Good on you. It's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would, I would say that maybe, at, I mean, I, I don't know, this is kind of correct for my question. At education level, is there something about inviting people in who will expose sort of their annual finances and go, this is how I made last year work for me? I think that would be really useful. Yeah, sure. I think a kind of very behind the scenes, bare bones. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I've always wanted to have a confessional box, you know, and I've, I've always kind of wanted Norman Rosenthal on one side of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And originally it would be for kind of like art world confessions, like when you made your biggest fuck up, you know, but I think also kind of just going in there and confessing how you've managed to make ends meet, how you've managed to make things happen, you know, would be a really sure. good addition to, to, to everything else that's offered. Because often people sort of when they come to college um, as practitioners, they talk about, um, you know, the things they've done and not necessarily the things they weren't able to do or, yeah, sure. or the things that... Um, the things they had to do to get those to things done. They had to do as a consequence of not... <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. no, exactly, you yeah. know. But, um, yeah, I mean, when, you know, when you, you, it's the classic thing of you talk to artists and you say, oh, so how are you doing? What are you up to? Oh, I've got this exhibition coming yeah. up and I'm going yeah. on residency <laughs> and I'm doing this amazing yeah. thing. They never say, oh, I've got this part-time job in a bar because I, <laughs> yeah. I need to pay the rent and I, couldn't, I lost my other crap job last month. Yeah. It's always... There's such a kind of... 
or gallery presentation, affairs, right? No, like, exactly. Yeah. The film was fantastic. And again, there's it's such great, a presentation, and, and you're like, that was a bad year. <laughs> you know, there's such a presentation solid, yeah. and a, such a face that artists will yeah. present to each other, which then reinforces this idea yeah. that there is a, a, such a thing as a successful artist, mm-hmm. and it's it's someone who can magically suspend a career above all this other this morass of, of practicalities. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, especially in the first few years after graduation, most artists are paying to be artists. Well, yeah. They have a job somewhere else to pay for the studio, which then they don't have much time to be in, to buy the materials that they don't get but to use so But then let's not forget that being an artist, there is an aspect that is a luxury in, or, yeah. in and of itself. So yeah. to then expect life to give you that luxury yeah. and pay you for it, you know, it's sort of... But also, with not... In a way, there is a freedom, <laughs> you know, to not being remunerated, yeah. you know, in, in a way. And I'm not saying that that's sustainable and I'm not saying that that applies to everything. But there is, you know, a value and a freedom there that... Sure. You know, but in terms of approaching individuals for money, yeah. like, I totally yeah. remember, like, when I did Zoo Art Fair, like, um, you know, basically having this idea to put up this event, you know, um, or set up this non-profit art fair for young commercial, non-commercial spaces, and then um, deciding to go around and um, talk to established <coughs> galleries and collectors and ask them for two and a half grand, and I got very good at it, <laughs> so I think, like, um, the point was, though, that nobody could have taught me how to have the nous to do that, and yeah. certainly the best things that I've done in my life weren't because somebody said, sat me down and said, now, Soraya, you've got these skill sets and you're really good at this. And if you go out, you could achieve this. You know, it was absolutely the reverse. It was yeah. totally, there was a situation I went, oh, is that possible? And I went, let's go check it out. You know, and then, and lo and behold, it was. And mm-hmm. that's basically that transformative nous that you have to have is something that can be instilled. It can't be taught, you know, and it's down to confidence and it's yeah. down to knowing when you have a good idea that you can get those people to give you that money for or a good setup or a good situation. Because once you've got that in your back pocket, you just, you just acquire the gift of the gab and then you don't shut up, you know, and you get it, you know. So I think... You know, but you can't really teach it in an A plus B will equal X amount at but the end of the year. You can support it. And ask people like, hey, go give it a shot. What yeah. the hell? But that again yes. is, is, brings in again this idea of the tension between the art school as this training camp for artists yeah. and but training you for a, for a real life situation where it doesn't, none of it really but applies. You've got to invent it. Yeah, you've got to invent it. You've yeah. got to make yeah, but I mean, happen. You know, if you're going to create something. Like that fair that you created was was wonderful. I remember it very well, it was and fun. I th- and I think it was uh, it was unique. You know, you can't really. How do you teach people to do unique things? There's a certain kind of thing where it, it aligns. Yeah, I mean, looking at looking at it, there was nothing that said on the tin this will work. You know, mm-hmm. and and there wasn't other than a, a lot of people getting on board because they thought, why not? You know, mm-hmm. and because there had already been instilled in London something of a YBA. DIY or ethos, yeah. d- do it my way attitude, you know, and that, that was, that was the, the kind of context within which something like that could happen. And that made me very proud of being in London to exist amongst people who thought like that, where things could happen literally in four and a half months, you know. Was, so, you know, so, so don't, you know, I think just know when you're ready to, with your good idea and just jump in, you know, don't be scared of it because the worst thing that they can happen is that they say no and that's yeah. not a bad thing because it's no different to where you, you start. Work it out anyway. Exactly, yeah. you know. Marcia Tucker has a really good quote where she says that she often talks, often used to talk to students who would sit around 
going, oh, I want to make this work, but I don't know if I should make it like that, and totally debilitating and talking yeah. themselves out of making something. And she just said, you know, damn it, just, just do it, and then think about it afterwards, you know, worry about it afterwards. At least then you'll have something Shoot to worry about. Questions. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, you know. Um, there's another question that also... Up at the back. I just wanted to say, um, uh, yeah, one thing to describe, we have a few of the students here, mm. we're members at Clark. And as a course, it is really fantastic, yeah. I have to say, just because they learn skills, I mean, where artists run, and we cover their transport and their, um, their lunch, but up until fairly recently, we've been voluntary, so we can't pay them, mm -hmm. although we'd love to, but we can't. And they learn skills that are vocational, you can't learn those through reading, so I think it is a really fantastic and also there's, a, there's a, a fundamental value exchange there. Again, when I talk to the students, I don't theoreticize them into thinking that unpaid placement is bad, you know, or like, because the world is much more complex. And I'm not going to, like, pacify them into thinking that they can't do stuff because somebody else thinks it's not okay. And also, I'm not going to um, value um, learning with um, a kind of pound sign on it. I think all I teach them is that there's a check for the value exchange, you know, look at, look at the context, is it a good context, does it t teach you something about your subject concerns, are you working with good people, you know, are you meeting good people, you know, what kind of work are you going to be exposed to, and then next to that, just put up how many days am I expected to work, you know, is it seven days a week or is it two, in which case I can work in a cafe and make that possible, you know, and how long do I do it for, you know, so that they kind of get adult about valuing their input but also what they get out of something you know so and I think here all of the students have been very very happy and they got an enormous amount from it you know a couple of them and certainly Tiago like had great fun putting an event together here and you know they were great experiences and now they have really fundamentally brilliant things on their CV which you know once they leave college they're a cut above other people who haven't done that. And I think you what know. you say is true you, you have to have an idea that your time is worth something even if you give it for free. Yeah. And I see that a lot with my Westminster class is that, you know, sometimes because we only ask them to do a four day placement on the context of a small module on the BA, we don't make outlying outsized demands on them. But you know, I tell them if this is not good, do not continue. If you feel you're not being valued, if these people are rude or because you know, there is this culture of unpaid work in the art world, sadly. And I don't want to push people into that uh, if they don't you know, feel if they're not right. getting so we offer other things they can do on the module that don't mean they have to go out. But it's a, you know that in itself is an in, a good confidence. Hey, just because you're giving me an internship doesn't mean I have to you know take shit from you. No. And there've been one or two times where I said, okay, you you should not go back to this in the tutorial because they said they were having a negative experience. <coughs> and but. Yeah, the more I hear about it, yeah, I want to take But you your know, class. sometimes, sometimes yeah. the students so will good. do an unpaid internship, and then they because they're at the beginning and they're a bit unconfident, and they think, oh, but I, I said I'd do three months, and I must do three months, and then they come to me and I go, are you learning anything? Are you being treated properly? No, no, no. Just get out. You know, that's what being unpaid means. You yeah, can do. You have the freedom to walk. You know, don't burn paid, bridges, but go. So, and then actually, as a consequence of that sort of shorter, not good experience, they then ensure that every single other one just gets better and better and better. So sometimes, you know, making mistakes provide your biggest learning curve. So again, I don't want to limit that. I don't want to stop their life developments by by having some kind of 
you know, attitude that the world should be a certain way. You know, I'd like to deal with the world as it is and make it better, which is a different position, I think. Yeah. And actually, about to, she'd actually been somewhere else before she came to us, and I know that she was very unhappy before she came here. Yeah. And I think making those mistakes is really useful, actually. Yeah. You know, for her to say, actually, I'm happy here, and I tell my students sometimes, well, if you tried something and you find that it's something you just dislike, that's useful because you've closed the door on something you don't need to learn about anymore. That's yeah. not for mm. me. And so, you know, in my mm. case, with my students only doing four days, I'm very clear of it. Look, there's, nobody's going to hand you the keys to the kingdom for a four-day internship. <laughs> You're not necessarily going to do the world's most exciting things. It may lead on to something. And the success stories are when people wind up working for the people they've interned for in paid jobs after, which usually which happens. Which often happens, yeah. And I, that I'm always very glad about because it's tangible. But, you know, I, I don't think there's, you know, much that uh, you can't lose, really. But well, it's really nice to see the confidence grow, even if it's just seeing someone with a drill. They can put up a shadow, <laughs> they can put up a painting, and they feel confident in doing that. It's really great. You know, I had one student say the other day, the technicians never let me near a drill. <laughs> she was just like, come from like building this whole massive thing, and she was like, it's amazing, I can do it. You know, it was really good. You know. I, just, I think we have time for just one more question. Is there yeah. any Perfect. And I think it's really important what you're saying about transparency and bringing people in from outside fields to talk about things. Um, because the point I just wanted to make is the whole thing about internships and about a lot of the people I did the exact same course as Doug, mm. didn't do wonders to my confidence, ever since got But it's the fact that lots of the people I know who have been successful in the art world, a lot of it has come from private income. And it's about wow. recognising that. Sure. And, not, and so, not sort of saying... And basically saying, pointing that out so people don't feel that they right. should lose confidence by the fact that they haven't achieved the same things, mm -hmm. because a lot of it has come from a different source. It's not, and a lot of that confidence comes from having that kind of sure. history to you. It's almost that unspoken thing of capitalism that everybody starts at the same line. Uh, <laughs> it's like, no, world, some people are world, like over there. You know, the art world yeah, is very white and middle class. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's often about private income, it's often about networks, the networks that people have. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a huge diversity yeah. issue around this. That's and a great point. Education as well. a great point. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to be defeated by that. No, you know, no, like, no. Because that's, no. you know, you don't want to say to people, oh, well, if you don't have this, your yeah. chances are like, clap, clap, clap. You know, no. Like, you've got to, again, it's back to instilling this kind of can-do, do-it-my-way attitude, you know, that I think is really, really important. I just think one thing that, I mean, we can't confirm anything, but the fact that it's £9,000 and it's a potential lifestyle of choice, I think that's potentially really problematic because the students that, that aren't from, um, that, who don't have parents who can pay for them to, to take that lifestyle of choice, I think that's really difficult and potentially yeah. really sure. problematic mm. for the art world. I don't know how you can surmount that, though. That's so entrenched. I think so, yeah. I think that's and beyond... And it's going to get worse it's as beyond the art world, and it's beyond the um, art institution, almost. I think there's a bigger society problem there that, you know, once it arrives at the art world or at the art institution, the games are done, <laughs> almost, you know. So but I think... Still, but within, within the art world, we can still try yes. to affect fair some enough, change around that. I noticed two other... 
uh, hands go up. So I'm going to be naughty and take them both, even though we'll overrun. If we'd start with you, perhaps. Hi, um, my name's Jo. I'm a conservator of Monnot, and I, was, I liked your analogy of the barbarians. Um, I feel like I'll I send you the uh, <laughs> your email. I'll send you the Thank you. Um, I've come into I've come to my work through a very academic route, uh, art history, and then conservation, and I feel like I'm in a tweed jacket, quite blown on the walls. Um, what I find really interesting and why I came tonight is because I now often meet young artists who come to me and go, look, I, I, I mix plasticine and wax and I pour it melted over MDF. I don't know anything about how it's going to age. No one's ever taught me how to paint. And I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in a room of people who probably went through an art school education. I didn't, and yet I'm really actually now expected to kind of know quite a lot about the materials. And I've been very, very interested to hear this debate, and I kind of sense a reasonable amount of accord between Soraya and Doug. Sure. But I'm just curious, what do people get taught at art school? They're not taught how to paint anymore. They're not taught how to promote themselves. But I'm, I'm just... No, 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 I don't mean... Sometimes they get no, over Pardon me, that's... I'm literally saying, quite honestly, I would like to know more about how people are taught, sure. and also whether there is actually parity between different colleges, maybe um, I would art school, you two. Is there a general way of teaching somebody or giving somebody an art education? Like, what exactly is there a structure that could be could described? Then, as art educators, yeah. it's a constant dilemma. We're always tweaking our courses, we're more than tweaking, rethinking our courses constantly. The skill word didn't really surface this evening. You know, there is increasing uh, expectation that you're paying £9,000, you'll come out with a whole school set, which isn't a term I necessarily like to use. But, you know, and and the, that question is, how do I get a first? We are asked that constantly at <laughs> the beginning of the first year. How do I get a gallery? This is, is this art anymore? <laughs> you know? for, me, for me, it's very much to do with thinking of art as a philosophy, as a way of life, as a way of thinking about life. You don't necessarily have to be going out there and making, making it in the gallery system. That, my heart sinks when we start talking about the gallery system. Yeah. You know, I've had six lots of representation. What did it ever do for me? I'm still, <laughs> I've still got this lovely portfolio of teaching, making bits and pieces, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, if we can, if we can empower people with that sense of harnessing their curiosity, then I think we've, yeah. we've done fantastically well in terms of allowing them to progress through life. Because art is an immense privilege, isn't it? Say, it is. It's a luxury. It's a way of processing things. It's a way of thinking about your life in a very different way. It's a fact. It's a way of touching other people, making other people think about things in a different way. You may not have any skills at the end of your, of your three years or your six years or however many years you're in art school. But hopefully you've got another way of looking at things. You're problem solving, you're, you're a creative thinker, you've got criticality, you can bring it to any, any aspect of, of, of life. My accountant, he um, has um, a girl who started off interning for him and she was... Um, a recent graduate from fine art so it's quite weird that she'd go into mm -hmm. accounting but he just sat down one day and he said she is the best worker I have ever had because she has this problem solving <coughs> mind that I have never encountered encountered with any accountant accountant trained person I've come across, like she just gets it immediately and knows how to go with it and then solves it if there's an issue you know and then leading on from that, there's a, a friend of mine, Hannah, who's an artist. She once was telling me about her first day at college where this really brilliant art tutor, also an artist, stood up and just said to a full, full room of like kind of year one, very eager students, you know, most of you will not be artists when you graduate, oh, yeah. but some of you might be interesting people, <laughs> you know. And that kind of thing, that's a really, that's kind of it, you know. And again, you know.
My friend Ian, uh, he recalls when we met at Goldsmiths on the MA. We, you know, we first met, and he was like, ah, what are you doing? I was ah, well, I've done all this stuff in New York, and I figured I might as well go to art school and become an artist. How hard could it be? <laughs> that was the line he was that he haunts me. <laughs> so how hard can it be, Fishbone? Huh? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think, I, think it's, um, I think what you say is true. It's not like everything else. And I think if we try to force it into this type of preparatory education that makes it like everything else, it might wind up like, did you see that awful reality TV show with Simone de Puri? Oh, it's complete train wreck. Yeah, you have to watch it. But it was like, oh, you know, these people are going to do an, a test, and if they fail, they get voted off. And this person was that. Been, when was that? Not the, this China is for you, Chow, sir. China Chow was so <laughs> Jerry Saltz, all the all the people were out. But you know, I remember the Saatchi one, and that was pretty. Oh, yeah. well, this was much worse, and if you lost, like, if you won, you got a show at the Brooklyn Museum and a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, I think at this, I think maybe I'm getting stage. on the wrong tangent. Yeah. No, no, no. I think, I think at this stage, we might draw the formal part to a close, okay. and we can move to drinks and informal and, and talking because we are we are running over quite a lot now. I'd like to thank you all for coming, and thank you for helping us to run over. Thank you also to <laughs> our speakers, Doug and Saraya, and to Block Three Three Six for hosting us. Uh, next week is our final talk on get the gallery system and how galleries validate artists and what happens if you're a, an artist whose work doesn't necessarily fit very well inside galleries. Uh, that's next Saturday, the 12th of December, from 2 till 4. Do stay for some drinks to support the gallery, obviously, altruistically, and to have uh, conversations with us and, and each other. And uh, thank you again for coming. Brilliant. Thank you.